Good morning. Good to see you this morning. First off, I just want to thank you, uh, those of you who joined us this past week in prayer and fasting, and we're going to send an email update out tomorrow just about that. But just keep praying about some of the remodeling that's going on over here. We made some significant progress this week. We've got uh, more, which, you know, we weren't sure if it was, we were going to be in there until mid-January. It looks like we'll be in there in the near future. So uh, just be praying that maybe we can access half of it next week. Will you join me in praying? No, that, that, that's, that's a prayer request. That's not, it's not a prophetic statement that it will happen. It is a prayer request that hopefully that will, will come to pass. For example, the, the, the entry and the bathrooms, we would love to have that space. So just be praying that that'll come to pass. Uh, the other parts back there, the children's yard, we know that's going to take longer, but, but uh, just pray that it'll come together. So thank you for praying and uh, ask you to keep up uh, this week if you'll do that, okay? Do that with me. Let's pray one more time, and then we'll dive into this morning's message. Father, I thank you for uh, your kindness. Thank you that we have a wonderful Savior like you, and uh, we, we don't deserve your mercy and your kindness, but we're so grateful for it. As we look at your word this morning, as we reflect on um, just the miraculous nature of uh, that very first Christmas and all that you have done for us, God, I just pray that you'll help us to to have this renewed appreciation for who you are and your view of us and what you're doing in the world. Uh, help us now as we look at your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> if you're like me, you've noticed that uh, the Christmas season has begun. We've sung some Christmas carols this morning. You know, your, uh, many homes in the community are, have been decorated. Uh, that's, uh, that's begun. Gifts are being purchased. If you've been out shopping, you know that. Santa has reappeared. Uh, if you're wondering, he's at Bass Pro Shop, <laughs> and he's at Town Center Plaza, and he's at Oak Park Mall, and he's at Crown Center, and he's at the Von Maurer Department Store, and he's at Naomi's Hallmark uh, Shop, and he's at the Legends, and he's at, I could, I could go on, couldn't I? He's, it's like he's everywhere. But you know, as nostalgic and fun as all of that can be, I want to remind you this morning and in the next couple of weeks, we just want to, as a church, remind you of some of the truly miraculous moments that the Bible tells us accompanied the very first Christmas. Uh, our, our tendency is to grow numb to this sometimes, and so we just want to try to dust all of that off and breathe life into it as God's Spirit is among us and His Word is with us, so we want to do that. Today we're going to uh, draw our focus our attention on uh, the Christmas angels, one of the great wonders of the first Christmas. Every year, and I, uh, Lori and I, when we decorate a Christmas tree, we put this angel figurine on the top of the tree. Uh, here at church, we sing songs about angels. You know, we just sang angels uh, we have heard on high. You know, we, we sing that, uh, various other songs. Lori and I, most Christmases, we watch a familiar classic old movie, It's a Wonderful Life, where if you remember, pudgy old Clarence, Jimmy Stewart's angelic rescuer, you know, his uh, angelic savior, rescues him from a bad case of depression. We watch, watch that movie. If you keep your eyes open, I mean, you can be walking through Walmart and just kind of in the, the seasonal area, there are little blow-up figurines of angels. Their angels are everywhere if you just keep your eyes open this time of year. But here's an important question that I want us to think about this morning, and that's this. Are they real? Are angels real? Are they really supernatural beings 
who are at work in our world, in our lives, on God's behalf. You know, the Gallup organization tells us that most Americans, 72% to be exact, believe in the reality of angels. That's three out of every four people that you meet believe that angels are real. According to a study done by Baylor University, more than half of all Americans, 55%, believe that they have been personally helped or protected by a guardian angel at some point in time in their lives. I mean, think about that. That's of every two, two out of four, more than two, a little more than two out of four, believe that they've been helped or protected by, by an angel. It may surprise you, but it doesn't really surprise me because the Bible tells us that angels are not just Christmas folklore but they are, in fact, real. The Bible refers to their existence and their actions nearly 300 times. Um, it's just that in our generation where we like to scientificize everything, make everything scientific, and we, we don't know what to do with angels, and so what do we do? We choose to not think about them. That's what we do. But I need to warn you that the Bible's teachings about angels <clears throat> often contradicts much of today's popular held belief about angels. A lot, there's a lot of what's truly folklore floating around in the airwaves, whether it's on your television or your radio, or your podcast or whatever, when it comes to the subject of angels. For example, did you know that according to the Bible, notice why I said according to the Bible, angels are not deceased people hoping to someday get their wings. So I just blew the whole plot line for It's a Wonderful Life. I'm sorry. I mean, you'll have to watch it. And we, but, but I hope that you watch it just understanding this is kind of sweet, sentimental stuff. But it's not biblically accurate. Zuzi, or how you say her last her name, you know, it's just like, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Not. Not. Not happening. Not happening. Uh, sorry to destroy your, uh, your Christmas with that truth. Uh, did you know that the Bible, according to the Bible, <clears throat> angels were actually created by God before he created Adam and Eve? Did you know that not all angels are equal and not all angels are good? If you listen to the Myths of our culture, you would think they're all good, but the Bible makes it clear they're not. Did you know that according to the Bible, God created angels with intellect and emotions and free will, just like you, just like me? Is that not fascinating? Did you know that the, according to the Bible, the weakest angel is exponentially more powerful than the strongest man exponentially wiser than the most intelligent, smart person. If we had time to thoroughly search the scriptures today, there would be so many things that you would, that you would just be fascinated by, that I'm fascinated by when I read scripture and think of angels. We, we'd find if we did that, that there are a number of different types and ranks of angels. I mean, they're not all just like angels. Any more than in a military, everybody's just a private you know what I'm saying? There's, there's like ranks and different types of them. And, and we'd learn if we studied the Bible, the names of a couple of important angels. We'd learn about Michael, who is the defender of Israel and the military commander of the Lord of hosts army. All of the armies of heaven under the command of this, this mighty 
mighty angel. Now, what I want you to think about just for a moment, I won't spend much time on this, but I want you to think about this. Was that his role back then? Or is he still the defender of Israel today? It's like he's not trapped in the past, friends. Look around the news of Israel and ponder, why is it that nations all around them can lob missiles in like they fall in fields and get intercepted in the air and sometimes people get bruised, but truthfully, very few die. Why is that? Is that a coincidence? If we had time, we could learn about other angels. We can learn about Gabriel, who is heaven's press secretary. He's uh, the one who is the principal announcer, the herald of all events involving the Messiah. And in addition to these two, we'd learn from the Bible the name of the chief fallen angel. Scripture fascinatingly gives us his name, Lucifer, tells us. And we'd also discover that one-third of the multiplied myriads of angels joined Lucifer in his rebellion against God, if we actually read our Bible pretty carefully. Which means, and I want all the math wizards among us to help me, uh, if one-third of the angels rebelled, how many angels remained faithful and obedient to God? Two-thirds. Two-thirds, which means for every bad guy, there's two good guys in the invisible realm. Okay? Feel good about that. I mean, think about that. It's, it's a good thing. We'd even learn from Scripture that, uh, we even learned from Scripture that some people have entertained angels and not known it. They've fed them, they've clothed them, they've housed them, they've talked to them, and they thought they were human. But they were not. They were angels, sort of unaware in their presence. Genesis 18, Abraham feeds the Lord and two angels. And it's not until late in the story that it really dawns on him who he's, who he's hanging with. And instances in Scripture of that, and Hebrews tells us, instances of life for all the rest of us that way. The Bible has a lot to say about angels. Much of it's so fascinating. But with all of that freshly in mind this morning, what I want to do is I want us to focus the next few minutes our attention on the role that angels played when Jesus was born into this world. And it's my hope that as we do this, that you'll just keep in mind who angels really are because we sometimes mythologize them in our head. And we need to understand that they're real. And just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not real. Just because you don't see oxygen, it's still real, right? Just because you don't see gravity means nothing, right? It just it means it's still there, right? Just because you don't see angels doesn't mean that they're not right at work right now all around us. And they were certainly a part of that Christmas story. And I hope it, so we kind of keep that forefront as we work our way through some of these Christmas passages. My hope is that they'll give you a renewed appreciation for the supernatural wonder of that very first Christmas. The Bible records multiple angelic visitations 
that first Christmas, and we're going to look at three of them this morning briefly. And the first I want you to notice with me is just recorded in Luke chapter 1, where the Bible says this. You can follow along on the screen with me. It just says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Gabriel sent the angel, uh, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And then he adds, for the word of God can never fail. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. You know, in these verses, Mary experienced an unveiled supernatural encounter with a mighty angel that the Bible tells us was named Gabriel. You know, it was an unforgettable experience for her. A few verses earlier in this very same chapter, we see an unforgettable experience that occurs for her, uh, her family members, some of her family. We learned that six months prior, Gabriel had been sent to uh, speak with Mary's uncle, a priest named Zechariah. If you want to go back and read it later, you can. But that was a life-altering event for both he and his wife because even though they were childless and even though they were late in life, Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife, conceived, and they both became parents of a little boy named John who, because we're on this side of the story, we know grew up to become John the Baptizer, John the Baptist, was their son. The Bible doesn't spell out all the details, but I suspect that Mary immediately believed Gabriel's words about her eventual birth to this child Jesus. I, I think she believed it because six months earlier she had heard of her aunt being with child and had heard the story of Zacharias' vision in the temple. I, I think she was inclined to believe because of that. And I suspect that Mary's parents, who were related, quickly believed her story because they also had heard about Gabriel's visit to Zechariah. But the Bible's real clear that despite their likely belief, Mary's husband-to-be, Joseph, was unconvinced. He hadn't seen an angel. He hadn't had a vision. This all sounded really nice. But I'm not buying it. So what we find in Scripture is God deciding to do a little persuasion of his own. In Matthew 1, verses 18 and following, records for us another supernatural angelic visitation. And just notice, everywhere you turn in the Christmas story, 
there are angels showing up. The Bible says in Matthew 1.18, this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Bible says that when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until the son was born. Joseph heard God's message loud and clear if you, if you look at this passage and reflect on it. So he took Mary into his home as though she was already his wife, and a few months later, as this whole scene continues to play out, a third angelic, unforgettable visitation occurs and Luke chapter 2 tells us that on the night that Jesus was born that night there were angels staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them see the angel again here he shows up again and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them and they were terrified but the angel reassured them don't be afraid he said I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried off to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. What an overwhelming experience that must have been for the shepherds. If you think about it, one moment the sky is dark like every other night of their lives while they watch their flocks of sheep rest. Just pitch black. And the next minute, the darkened sky explodes. It exploded into a radiant light of the Almighty's glory. And what started as one glorious angel speaking quickly crescendoed into a vast and mighty chorus of heaven's angels, filling the sky with their dazzling presence, their unbridled devotion and praise for the Holy divine child who was being born nearby in Bethlehem. It was an unforgettable night, unlike any before or since. But as unforgettable as all of that was for the shepherds, what I want you to think about with me for the next few moments is this. It was unforgettable for the entire angelic realm as well. You say, how is that? 
Do you know what the angels were eyewitnesses to that night? The shepherds and Mary and Joseph and we without Scripture could never have imagined. The armies of heaven on that night where there was none like it before and nonsense, on that night they held their breath and watched, not as an angelic visitation took place, but as a divine visitation took place. Nothing like it had ever happened before or since. They watched the creator and the sustainer of all things step down from his throne above them, and they watched him clothe himself with flesh. Philippians 2 describes the scene this way. Though he, though Jesus, was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, to clutch, to to just hang on to. Instead, the scripture says in verse 7, he gave up his divine privileges He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. This was Christmas. He was born as a human being. Hebrews chapter 2 explains further that because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. This was Christmas. And it explains, for only as a human being could die, for only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil. Now let's pause right there. Time out. Could he break the power of the devil? You remember the angel who rebelled? You remember? Lucifer? The third of the angelic realm with him? Only by dying could Jesus break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free, Scripture says, all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Even adds, we also know that the Son did not come to help angels. Just to clarify, if there's any fog in anybody's mind, he didn't come to help angels. What's he say? He goes on and says, he came to help the descendants of Abraham. And friends, if you've put your faith for this life and the future in Jesus, you are a spiritual descendant of Abraham, the father of all faith. Why is it important for us to remember all this? Because as we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate one of the most unforgettable moments in all of history where there were angelic visitations, but that was even eclipsed, as awesome as they were, by a divine visitation. The Son of God who left a throne and clothed himself in flesh for you and for me. And I have to ask you, have you believed in Jesus enough to ask him to forgive you Ask him to take up residence in your heart and life. To be asked him to become your savior, to become your king. Have you believed in him enough to invite him to defeat any and all evil that might be at work in your heart, in your life? He invited him to be yours. 
because he came to make you his. But it's a two-way street. We've got to ask. You know, Jesus, uh, Joseph and Mary and the shepherds marveled at the awesomeness of the angelic visitors in their lives that first Christmas. But as we kind of go through our Christmas season here, my encouragement to you is to never forget the one that Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and the angels adored and worshipped and praised and sang about and celebrated. It's the one who gave up his divine privileges that silent night in Bethlehem. It's Jesus. Just humble yourself before him as he's humbled himself before you. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to pray this morning. And maybe some of us this morning need to just invite Jesus to step into our hearts and lives. You don't have to understand how that works or how he does that. You just have to have a humble spirit and just an open hands before him and just say, Lord, fill me, cleanse me, make me yours, forgive me, redirect my life. Just, just seek him. If you'll do that, he'll hear that. Just as we've entertained angels unaware, as the scripture teaches, um, Scripture says where two or more are gathered in his name, guess what? The Lord is there too. So undoubtedly we've entertained him at times and been unaware of his presence. Two on the road to Emmaus did that in Scripture, and others did that in Scripture. So it can happen. All you have to do is just look heavenward and just say, God, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. And if you'll do that, he'll hear. Maybe some of us need prayer for something in our lives. If that's you, just let us know. Come on down afterwards and we'll pray for you. But uh, just glad you're here. Just hope that you'll reflect on this and let it uh, season like salt your uh, Christmas season. All right? Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your favor. You look at Mary through Gabriel and you say, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. We are favored by you, and you are with us. In fact, Lord Jesus, you've said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You said, I'll be with you to the very end of the age, and you're with us in this season. We just invite you to fill us, to fill our Christmas season with meaning and understanding of who you are and all that you've done and all that you plan to do in the future. God, help us in this age to walk in faith, to walk in love, to walk with you. And God, we know we'll be better people because of it. Would you forgive us? Would you cleanse us? Would you guide us this week and always? We promise to give you credit for the good that happens. Lord, if there are steps that we need to take in the individual one of us, if there are people you want us to serve, if there's things that we need to confess, if there's directions you want us to, to go, God, God, just speak. We promise to listen. We promise to obey. We thank you. We thank you that you became one of us, that the power of evil might be broken. And that one day, in the not-too-distant future, 
all the wrongs of our world are going to be set right. We thank you for that. Christmas is one of the promises of that. Go with us now as we leave this place. May these thoughts, your word, echo in our minds. For Christ's kingdom's sake, we lift this prayer. Amen.